All right. Good morning, Christ Church. Great to be with you uh, here in the room, whether you're uh, here in West or in East. It is good to be together uh, or joining us online. We're glad, you're, glad that you're uh, hanging out with us. I'm Pastor Bob, uh, one of the pastors here uh, at Christ Church. And uh, we are taking the second step in our series called uh, The Gift. And uh, in this series, remember what we're doing, we're looking at that experience when uh, wise men uh, showed up with some gifts uh, for this newborn uh, babe. And it comes to us out of the Gospel of Matthew, the second chapter. Uh, and uh, we kind of did a lot of walking through this last week so you get some understanding of the, the wise guys that showed up. It's about, about that same time some wise men from the east uh, arrived in uh, Jerusalem. Remember, they were probably from Persia, that uh, they were magi, uh, and they're coming from that east land probably because they were influenced uh, by a guy named Daniel, who in history and time became uh, one of the kind of the leader of, of the Magi. And so they were probably through Daniel introduced to some of the prophecies that we're going to look at today uh, from Isaiah. And uh, so through that, uh, they follow the star and they end up uh, coming uh, to this place in Bethlehem. It says they entered the house, uh, saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Uh, we lifted up two. Remember that they, it says house, that uh, this is probably not happening the same night he was born. Uh, you know, we love that for our major scenes and our Christmas cards. But uh, this is probably, you know, maybe a year uh, or 18 months after Jesus is born when the wise men, uh, when the wise men show up. Nonetheless, they do show up and they come and they find Jesus. And it says uh, they opened up their treasure chest uh, and they gave him uh, gifts of uh, gold, uh, frankincense, uh, and uh, myrrh. So uh, last week we spent some time talking about uh, frankincense, that gift connected to worship and to the role of the priest. And remember, Jesus is, is still our high priest, and he intercedes for us uh, before the Father. Uh, and today we take another step, and we look at the gift of uh, myrrh. Right? And uh, on the list of gifts, uh, this, is, this is like the gift that is like the most unusual of unusual. In fact, it, it probably would fall in the category of the gift not to give, right? It's, I think you'll find out. It's like this unusual kind of gift. I mean, you do know there's some gifts that you just shouldn't give at Christmas, right? I mean, I'm thinking about this, and I, I can come up with two of them at least that you probably just, if you're still doing your Christmas shopping, these are not ones you want to buy and give uh, to somebody. And as I share this with you, I need to be upfront and say, I've never bought these gifts, nor have I given them to anybody in my household. Just to be clear, okay? You'll get it when I share what they are, but never bought them, never gave them to anybody in our household. So like, here's one gift you probably shouldn't give to somebody, shapewear. Right? You with me on that? I mean, you know what shapewear is, right? I was going to put a picture up, but it was a little too risque, and I thought, uh, not going there, right? So, uh, uh, but you know, I kind of moves things around and puts things where maybe, you know, some people think it ought to be and whatever. Anyway, you get the picture, right? Pro probably not a gift that you want to you give somebody, right? Remember, I said, I have never bought these gifts or given them to anybody in my house. We were there, right? Uh, yeah, the second one is also one you probably shouldn't give, wrinkle cream. Right? Amen? 
probably should not give somebody uh, wrinkle cream, probably not a great message uh, you want to give. Well, myrrh would be on that list, really. Uh, myrrh would, it would be on that list of gifts that you just, you just probably, you, you just probably don't want to give somebody, and yet it is one of the gifts that God appoints uh, to be among those gifts given to this child. And so we've got to look at it and say, what, what is up? Why would the kings bring and give this gift of myrrh when it's on the list of not, not the gifts to give, right? Uh, so what do we know about myrrh? Uh, myrrh, uh, like frankincense of last week, is a uh, resin. Uh, comes from uh, the comifer tree. Uh, and it's, again, you cut the tree and the, the sap kind of oozes out, crystallizes. Uh, they take the crystals, pound it up. Usually it gets made into some kind of a salve, ointment, liquid kind of uh, kind, kind of form, right? Like that. Uh, here's the comifer tree. Uh, is that one gnarly looking tree or what? Right? I mean, it's just kind of, a, kind of an ugly, gnarly looking tree, right? And I kind of blew up for you on the side here what, what a branch uh, uh, looks like. Hopefully you can see it pretty well. And uh, yeah, you take a look at it. You notice anything sticking out of there? Yeah, pretty thorny dude, right? The tree itself gives you a hint into the significance of the gift, right? Myrrh uh, shows up in the Bible. It shows up uh, 17 times, 14 times in the Old Testament, three times in the New Testament. Uh, the Hebrew word is mara, uh, and it means uh, bitter, right? So myrrh is just as bitter, has a bitter taste. Uh, you, you get the experience in Exodus when God's people are in the wilderness and they come to an oasis, you know, water there at the oasis, and of course they're thrilled, water, wow, great. Uh, but of course then they taste the water and the water is bitter. Uh, and so it says, they called the place Mara, which means bitter, right? That's myrrh, right? They called the place after uh, myrrh. It is just kind of this bitter uh, strong, bitter substance, okay? Uh, but it has two predominant uses, at least in the time of Jesus. Now, if you go out there today and you Google it and you do all that essential oil stuff, it'll tell you it's good for this, that, this, that, and the other thing, right? But back in the day, right, in Jesus' time, in biblical times, it had two primary uses, and that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, the first primary use uh, for myrrh uh, was that of a painkiller. It was fundamentally used as a painkiller, and so it was even carried, we know, by the Greeks in their battle kit. So, you know, the guy's out there uh, fighting away, and he gets he wounded. Uh, he'd reach right for his myrrh, right, this oil or ointment, uh, uh, savvy ointment myrrh, and put it on the wound, you know, kind of like, you know, modern day, the guy gets shot, and, you know, boom, inject him with the morphine, and he's in happy land, right? I mean, it's that same kind of principle, right, of put, putting the painkiller uh, on the wound, right? And that was its big function, to fight off germs and to be, to be a painkiller. Uh, now, put yourself in Mary's position. The kings show up, and they open up their treasure chests, and there's gold, and there's frankincense, and painkiller. It's like, oh, how thoughtful, right? How thoughtful. Gee, but why, why painkiller? Well, you see, this is a divine appointment. These gifts 
give us an idea. They give us a signal. They tell us something. They teach us something about who this child is, what this child is going to accomplish, and what this child still does. And so the gift of myrrh. The gift of myrrh is a forecast of the bitter pain that Jesus is going to endure for us. And we know it's true. We know that's exactly what happens, right? In fact, myrrh itself shows up in the very experience where Jesus is accomplishing that very bitterness and pain, right? Where he is accomplishing, where he is identifying, experiencing the depths of our pain and accomplishing our, our forgiveness. At that very experience on the cross, myrrh shows up right? So Jesus is there. He's on the cross. He's being crucified. He's excruciating pain, right? And it says, they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha. It means place of the skull. And they offered him wine drugged with myrrh. Why? Painkiller. And notice Jesus's response. But he refused it. Listen to that. Jesus will not allow anything to get in the way of his identifying with and carrying your pain. He won't allow anything to get in the way to mask the experience somehow. He totally and absolutely not only identifies with our pain, but he's willing to carry it. Do you hear that? And so when Murr shows up, he refuses it. This painkiller shows up at his birth. But it's not the only time, it's not the only time that it is forecast about this, this baby, about his purpose, his intentionality of his life to experience division and pain and difficulty. And so after he grows up a little bit, when, when Joseph and Mary take him to the temple for his dedication, right? They, they take him to, his, to the temple, and there's a guy there named Simeon, and God came to Simeon and said, Simeon, you got a divine appointment. I promised you that before you die, you would see the Lord's anointed. You would see the Messiah. Today's the day, man. Get to the temple. And so Simeon goes to the temple, and he sees Joseph and Mary and the baby, and he gets engaged with him, runs over, and he takes the baby, and he says, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be pain, right? He has been set as a sign from God, but many will oppose him, right? Jesus himself is going to have affliction and conflict. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and the sword will pierce your very soul, Mary. Even at his dedication, there is this forecast of, of the pain and the difficulty that is going to surround Jesus' life. And Mary will share in that too. I mean, moms, imagine. Put yourself in Mary's place when she's there at the cross, when they're offering him the, the wine mixed with myrrh, and you're saying, take it, please, take it. 
And how difficult, how painful is it when, when you see that not only is he breathes his last, but then a Roman soldier comes along, takes his spear and plunges it into his side. And as that spear is piercing his side, it is equally piercing your own soul, isn't it? You see, from the beginning, from the beginning it was forecast that Jesus would come into this world and he would totally identify with our pain, with our sorrow, that he came with a purpose. Why? Because of us. Because of us. Because we are who we are. Because we are the way we are. Isaiah, a prophet, we're going to look at him more today. Isaiah, a prophet, says all of us. How many of, that, how many of us would that be? All of us. So if you're sitting out there right now ready to close down and say, well, you know, that's just talking about the other guy, you know. No, we're talking about all of us. This is where we all are. We're talking about everybody out there in humanity. This is the situation we're all in. There's no avoiding it. There's no denying it. There's no sloughing it off. This is us, people. Isaiah says, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Right? God says to us, listen, I'll show you the path of life. And we say, yeah, no, I think I'd like to go this way. God says, here, let me, let me show you how to live an elevated, incredible life. No, no, I think I want to go this way. But somehow we think our way is always better. My question is, how's that working out for you? You see, because of who we are, because of the way we are, Isaiah says Jesus needed to come into the world. Yes, the Lord laid on him the sins of who? All of us. And not only the sins of all of us, but all of them. That he laid the sins of all of us and all of the sins. If there's anything in your life, if there's any brokenness in your life, if there's any disobedience in your life, if there's any guilt in your life, what you're, he took all of it and all of it and laid it on Jesus. That he came into the world for this purpose, to take on our pain, to take on our guilt, to take on our shame. This is why he came. And this is why myrrh shows up at his birth. That message shows up even before myrrh. Even when he's conceived, this purpose shows up. An angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a son. An angel comes to Joseph and says, Mary's going to have a child. Go ahead and marry her. Why? Well, you're supposed to marry her and name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Even when he's conceived, God is sending the message. He's going to enter into our pain. He's going to enter into our disappointment. He's going to carry our burdens, and he's going to accomplish our forgiveness. And even before that, a guy named Isaiah, a prophet, 700 years before Jesus is born, tells us this is what he'll do. I want you to grab that. Think about that concept. I mean, if you today, if today you could go to Las Vegas and you could predict today who is going to be in the next World Series 
who's going to win the next World Series and what the score is. If you could predict that and be absolutely right, would you be popular in Vegas? Isaiah does this 700 years before Jesus shows up. And he tells us exactly why this child comes into the world. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Whose? Ours. And we thought his troubles were punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. They thought they were just getting rid of a young troublemaker. They thought they were just getting rid of this revolutionary rabbi who was just stirring up the people. And today, today people think, well, you know, he was just a nice guy who got a raw deal. Or he was just a nice good teacher, a nice moral guy, just like, like Buddha and Muhammad and Gandhi. If you think that, you do not understand Christmas. You don't understand why he gets myrrh. Isaiah says no, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped. Why? So we could be what? Healed. Even in the tree that this stuff comes from, it captures the reality of the pain he's willing to enter into. That they would take a vine with a whole bunch of thorns and put him into a crown and crush him on his head. That he would enter into not only the pain of our experience, but he would carry the pain for each one of us and accomplish forgiveness. And so to a child, the unusual gift of myrrh. Now that in and of itself is a pretty credible reality, right, about this gift of myrrh. But remember I said there is two uses, two main uses for the gift of myrrh. The second main use, embalming fluid. Now be merry. Wow. Great. Painkiller and embalming fluid. Special. Embalming fluid? Yeah, the gift of myrrh reminds us that from the beginning, from Jesus coming into the world, he came into the world with a purpose and intention to not simply enter into our pain and bear the pain, to not simply accomplish forgiveness for us, but he came into the world to take on the powers of darkness. He came into the world to face death itself. And interestingly, when he experiences that, when he goes through the cross, and when he's finally in death, guess what shows up? Myrrh. 
He dies on the cross. A guy named Joseph of Arimathea goes and asks for his body, along with another guy named Nicodemus, both of whom, by the way, are wealthy guys. If you're wealthy, you should be paying attention to Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and how they use their resources for the kingdom. Joseph of Arimathea claims his body, takes Jesus' body, and puts it in his brand new tomb. Jesus is the first one in, and he's the first one out. And it says in the text, they brought with them 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and other alloys. This baby comes into the world to not only experience our pain and take the burden of our pain, to not only accomplish our forgiveness through his own pain, but he comes into the world to take on the powers of darkness in your life and to take on death itself. The writer of Hebrews captures it all. He just kind of captures this whole experience. He writes saying, because, because we are who we are, right? Because Isaiah was right, because of all of us, because of our brokenness and following our own path, because of our sinful desire, because of our own weakness, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. What did he come into the world to do? To break the power of evil that takes hold of your life. If you're facing something right now, if you've got something that's holding on to you, you're struggling with alcohol, or you're dealing with gossip, or you've, you've got pornography going on in your life, or you've got unforgiveness that you just won't give into and allow the forgiveness to flow out of your life, and you just keep holding on to the grudge. Whatever it is you've got going on in your life that is holding on to you, Jesus came into this world to set you free from that. He came into the world to defeat that in your life so you can let go of that and you can begin living his way. Hebrews said, only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. He came into the world to face it and to defeat it. And to give us nothing to fear but to elevate our lives. If you want to celebrate Christmas, if you want to celebrate the manger, you got to celebrate it in the shadow of the cross. you got to understand that when he comes into this world, he comes in to accomplish everything myrrh tells us to experience our pain, to carry the burden of our pain. He comes into this world to accomplish our forgiveness because of our own rebellion. And he comes into this world to set us free from the powers that try to control us so that we no longer fear life, but we embrace and elevate life. This gift of myrrh 
this unusual gift of myrrh that seems so out of place. It is a gift that not only forecasts his pain and his death, but it leads to the accomplishment of victory in a resurrection. It gives us the ability to be able to echo the words of Paul, somebody who was accustomed to pain. Paul says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Death, you got nothing on me anymore. Sin, you got no hold on me anymore. Evil one, there's nothing you can take hold and do in my life anymore. Jesus has set me free. He says, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We got to get that because that's Christmas. Christmas is Jesus coming into the world to not just be a cuddly, cooing little baby, but to be a Savior who comes into the world ready to be in our pain and still today ready to carry our pain, ready to face our sin and accomplish our forgiveness, ready to face the evil one that tries to take hold of our life and set us free and ready to give us a fearless nature that we don't even fear death itself, that we can live an elevated life in victory. It is one of the more bizarre gifts, myrrh. And yet it is a gift. It is a gift that reminds us how much we need this baby in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for uh, the gift of Jesus. The willingness he had to uh, not only enter into our pain, but carry our pain and be able to accomplish our forgiveness, to, to get us back right with God, to walking on that right path again and, and to enter in and, and, and give us a strength to be able to overcome the darkness that comes into our life and, and the temptations that are always chiding at our heels and to allow us to elevate a life that, that lives a victory life. So, Lord, we pray for this morning, for everybody in the rooms this morning, that you would do your work. And when we come to the table, that we would experience that freedom and that when these young boys come to, to word and water, that they'd experience that freedom to be claimed in Christ alone. That through bread and wine, we would be set free, strengthened, encouraged to live a life of victory. So help us. Help us to receive this baby and to receive Jesus as Savior to remember not only a manger, but a cross. We ask it in his precious name.
Amen.